What's up? What's happening? Good morning. You guys are awesome. Blessed to worship with you and now to open God's word with you. And just a blessing to be here this morning. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and someone will lend you one. Anybody need a Bible? We want you to read along with us as we study through the 15th chapter of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15. It is a blessing to see how God is growing this church and using you guys and your pastor and the staff uh, to make um, an impact here in Richmond, more specifically in this area that you guys live in. And uh, just blessing and and praying for you guys. Uh, He's going to do some good stuff here as he has already. Luke chapter 15. Let's pray one more time, please. Father, thank you so much, God, for allowing us to congregate, Lord, today. To come together, Lord, with all kinds of issues going on in this world, Father. What a blessing it is and an honor and a privilege that we can gather. And we know, God, that in the chaos of the world and the things going on, God, We have the answer, Lord, it is you. It is you, Jesus. And may we not neglect that. May we continually, Lord, and truly be that salt and light. I know that's been said so many times. And and in a sense, God, it's been just a, a Christianese kind of thing. But God, it's true. That's what you've called us to be. We pray for Richmond. We pray for Dallas. We pray for Michigan, God. We pray for all the states, that they would truly be united. And this has to be, God, at the cross. So bless all the churches that are meeting today, God, all those who are true to you, Lord, all those who love your word and are teaching it, all those who are ministering, Lord, not only in the church, but outside the walls, God. For we know we're not the only church. We know there are many good ones as well and blessed ones. So be with all the congregations meeting today, God, and be with those who are hurting, those who are mourning. Be with us. Speak to us. Go beyond my notes, God. We've opened our Bible. Now we ask that you open us up. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. And the church said, amen. Amen. You're going to help me preach this, right? (laughs) Amen. Hey, hey, I've entitled this message, The Prodigal's Parable. And it is a familiar message, I'm sure, a familiar parable passage that many of you have read and and some of you have studied. So let's look at it afresh, and and I pray that it would speak to all of us this morning. Uh, Luke here, he he begins to record an instance where Jesus, in verse 1, went and he hung out with sinners. Read it with me. It says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. I love the fact that they, they know that they could draw near to him. I love the fact that they wanted to hear what he had to say. But the Pharisees, there they are again, and the scribes complained. You know why? Because they they couldn't draw near to them. They wanted really nothing to do with them. Some of these tax collectors were Jews. Some of these sinners were Jews themselves. 
but they, were, but they saw the hypocrisy. They saw the things going on in temple and the things going on in synagogue. And you know what? I don't think they wanted anything to do with that. Hey, if that's what church is, hey, if that's what God is, I want nothing to do with it. I can sin uh, a lot better than, than you guys are doing there in that synagogue, in the temple. And so they were upset. And notice what they say. This man, who is the man Christ Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. Well, yeah, that's why he came. You know, you know, he came to do that. You know, he came to be the savior of the world. And, and so he, he, Jesus knew their heart. Jesus knew what was being, you know, uh, said about him. And so in verse 3 says, he spoke this parable to them saying... What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And so he gets down to their agricultural background, their farming, their their shepherding background. They know this well. They they see this daily. He says in 5, verse 5, and when he has found it, uh, he lays it on his shoulders. You've seen that picture of the shepherd carrying the the, the lost lamb, if you would, upon his shoulders, uh, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. And they're just looking at him saying, Okay, yeah, we see, yeah, we see that. Well, here is, here is the, the application. Here is the, uh, the, where the rubber meets the road. He says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And then he says, Or what woman have ten silver coins? If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. So he goes from the field into the home, and he brings a, a very another a familiar um, um, scenario to them, stating about this necklace that a woman would receive back then really as a token of her being a married woman, her being one who has been covered, one who is a husband, one who is a, a wife, and she loses one of those coins. He says, uh, what woman having this would not search carefully when she loses one of them until she finds it? She, she is all day, she's sweeping all day, he says in nine uh, there, that she, or, or uh, and eight, that she's sweeping, that she's diligently trying to find that one coin. And in verse 9, and when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Again, the application, verse 10, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You say, I come and I meet with sinners I sit down with sinners. I eat with sinners. I don't become a sinner, but I bring hope to the sinners. For this is what Jesus wants. Jesus wants the sinners to truly come to repentance. But how can they come to repentance unless someone is sent? And the one that is sent is he loving them and caring for them and giving them hope and showing them truly what it is to be loved. Guys, here what Jesus is doing is he's speaking a parable. Now you're well taught. You're a Calvary Chapel, right? You're well taught. But let me remind you that a parable defined is an earthly story, and we saw two earthly stories here with what? A heavenly what? A heavenly application, a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story with a spiritual application. 
It's an earthly story with a personal conviction. I pray, I hope, and I knew, and I know the Lord also brought conviction to these Pharisees who were pointing fingers at him. But now Jesus turned to what's, I would say, what's more important than an animal or a coin. Uh, uh, although he, he defined it, he, he defined these two earthly stories of, of a lost sinner. He wants to speak today of a, of a man's soul, the lost son. And although in context, in content, context of chapter 15, Jesus, no doubt, and, and please know this, is referring again to the one son as a sinner, the other son as the self-righteous Pharisee, and the father in the parable as God. Let's not miss the personal application and perhaps even the conviction here this morning. Let's not miss the personal application of what Jesus is speaking to each one of us, each one of us this morning. Let's not think it's, it's just a, a faraway land and, and a story told. And, and No, let's bring it home. Let's allow God to speak to each one of us. Because you may be a parable. A parable. You may be a, a prodigal here today. You are a parable. You're a beautiful parable. <laughs> you may be somebody who's lost this morning. As a matter of fact, you may have never committed your life to Jesus Christ as of yet. And we're going to give you that opportunity. How's that? I mean, I think, why not? I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't do that. But let's get into the word first and let the Holy Spirit can bring what he wants to bring into this place. Again, this well-known parable is played out, guys, in many homes today. The situations may be different, but the principles, the fundamental truths are the same. So let's look at it. Now, he moves in to verse 11, and here... Luke writes the Lord's words. He says, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The word prodigal actually means wasteful, wasteful living. Notice first with me, guys, that he says, Father, give me. This is a sin of entitlement. You know, have you noticed that that is going on in our world today? Uh, there's this entitlement. This this sin of entitlement. People think they are entitled, you know, and it's very sad. Here he thought he was entitled to his inheritance anytime he wanted it which because he was the second son, he wasn't the oldest son, he would receive one-third of his father's life saving. But rather than waiting till his father's passing, when the inheritance is passed out, when, when they are to receive this inheritance, you see, prior to that, they're living on the homestead. They're, they're living with, he's living with his father, his mother, his parents. They're well taken care of. They, they no doubt have... Uh, duties and uh, they have responsibilities but when the time when the father passes is when they get their allotted inheritance but this son he didn't want to wait he's telling his father give it to me now and in truth what he is saying to his dad listen those of you that are here and you're younger you know what he's telling his dad you're dead to me dad you're dead to me man i want my inheritance now I'm not waiting. You know, Dad, your influence is aged and unreasonable. 
for the times that we are living. You are dead, Dad, and I need to live in order. I need to leave in order to live. But notice his father just gives him his inheritance. Because his dad knows he's got to go find out. He's got to go find out that he's wrong. He's got to come to the end of himself. And we'll see that played out here. Let me address again the youth here today. Perhaps you've never realized it. But if you're not obeying your parents, if you're rebellious, if you're rejecting your parents' godly counsel, their care for your life, you're telling them the same thing. You're saying that you're dead to me. Mom, you're dead to me. Dad, you're dead to me. I'm not listening to you. You're antiquated. You're old school in a new age. That's what you're saying to them. You're breaking their heart. The Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents. You know that. In the Lord, for this is right. And Paul was saying there that this is a righteous act for children. Children, this is your offering to God. And as you obey your parents, it's a righteous act because it's what God expects of you. That's what God expects of you in your home, to obey your parents. I don't care how old you are. If you're still under the roof of your parents' home, this is your righteous act to God. This is your worship to God. But you may be a prodigal dad here. You may be a prodigal mom here today, an adult who is far away from where God wants you. And it's not your parent you are rebelling against. It's the Lord. It's God. You may even be here have never accepted Christ as your Savior. We're glad you're here. We absolutely are glad you're here. And we're praying for you. And there are pray, people praying for you right now. They're praying for you, man. That today is the day you commit your life to Christ. But it seems that this younger son wants nothing to do with anything right. Nothing to do with his parents and with God. And so in verse 13, notice it said, not many days. He was given his money. It's burning a hole in his pocket, if I can say. Uh, you know, the funds are in his hands. But he has time to think. Not many days. However, he was so self-centered. He was so about himself that he shook off reason and took off. He shook off and he took off. Because his possessions possessed him. You know, J.C. Ryle, he's an old guy who, who wrote a, a book called A Call to Prayer. He said this. Please listen. You may be very sure men fall in private long before they fall in public. He says they are backsliders on their knees long before they backslide openly in the eyes of the world. And may I add, backsliding begins when you start neglecting your spiritual counsel from the Word of God. Backsliding begins when you don't take in the sermon's points or listening to your pastor or your, or, or your leader who are taking you through the Word of God, through Bible study, your home groups. Backsliding begins when you start allowing others to, who are spiritual to invest in your life. Be careful. If there's here, if, is, is there anything here this morning that's holding 
onto you that is distracting your walk with the Lord. You're not making good decisions in your life. And if it is not honoring God, then release it. Release it. I don't see how you could have gone through worship without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, without God speaking you through the words and through just that intimate time where the Spirit was just moving among us. Those are times, especially times where we need to just allow the Spirit to speak to us and allow us just to, to release to Him the things we're holding on. But I believe there's some of you who are just holding on to a lot of things. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, 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 a, it's a not a good relationship. I don't know what the fact is, but, but little by little, you're, you're sinking, you're drawing, you're wandering away. Hey, you know, I just came back from a senior pastor's conference in Costa Mesa. And Al Pittman, who's going to be, by the way, men, he's going to be coming out here for our men's retreat, uh, the regional men's retreat. This is what he told us. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> he's a brother. He's a brother, man. And, you know, I love it, man. You know, I'm just getting excited. You know, he said it like this. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> but that's true, man. That's true. We needed to hear that as pastors, too. We're sheep. We're not, we got to be checked daily, man. So God wants to change you here this morning, C.C. Richmond. What are you so obsessed with that has hold of your heart and mind? What's the activity? What's the relationship? Whatever it is, guys, confess it and begin to focus on the Lord and what he wants to do in you so that you can leave different today than the way you came. That's my prayer for our church every Sunday, Wednesday, life group, whatever the case may be. May we all leave different than we came. So he goes away to a far country, back to our scriptures, he got as far away from his father's godly influence as he could. But you and I know that he couldn't get away from God. As David wrote in Psalm 139.7, Where can I go from your what? Spirit. And where can I flee from your presence? And we know the answer is nowhere. Nowhere. The hound of heaven. God himself. You may think that you're in a far country today. And even though you're here in church, you're far away, man. You're, you're, right now you're saying, would this Mexican hurry up before? I got some nachos and things waiting for me, man. You're, you're in a far country, Holmes. You are in a far country. But listen, God is here, man. And when you leave here, if you don't leave here changed, he's still with you in that car. This guy, this kid, this prodigal, this wasteful kid, he just wanted this living he wanted no structure, no rules, no dad, no mom, and he thinks no godly influence, so he goes to this far country. He wanted full control and authority. And parental rights, in this case, threatens control. Let me tell you again, you take control of your life, in a sense, with your own ways, you're going to wreck, as I said. You're going to wreck. You need the control of the Holy Spirit. You should want that. Verse 14, moving on, uh, as we read. So in verse 14, but when he had spent all, praise God, and every parent said, amen. amen. <laughs> there arose a severe famine in the land, or in that land, and, and he began to be in want. Yeah. 
prayers are working. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Hey, he spent it all, man. See, eventually, that's going to happen. He had no money. He had no friends. He had no life. No one but the pigs. And the pigs only liked him because he fed them. Just like his so-called party pals. After the funds were gone, they were gone also. They defriended him. They unliked him. So I'm trying to be culturally you know, <laughs> connected with. Some of us old folks, what's that? Don't worry about it. These guys over here, no. You guys, right? You Facebook people, man. He, he, this kid needed to get his face in the book. But anyway, I'm getting excited. Forgive me. He spent all of his inheritance, and then comes a famine. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Then reality of life sets in. But he still fights for his right to live the way he wants. He gets a job slopping pigs. Now imagine, here's a young man, a Jewish raised boy feeding swine. Think about that. It was as low as a Jew could get. It was disgusting, a disgusting profession. But that's what happens sometimes when we go off on our own, our far country. How, how low can we get? How ruined can we get before we realize, you know, that pop and mom, well, the words were right. They were. They were right. The purpose of pigs, guys, just to remind you, is for them to eat as much as they can and then die for others to eat them. And there's no life in that, man. But truly, there's no life for those who go off and, and live a prodigal life. I mean, the battle cry for the sinner, the battle cry for the backslider is eat, drink, and be what? And be merry, because tomorrow we die. And death consumes them, especially those who have yet to give their life to Christ and to hell. And we see the hand of God, though, using these events in his life. May I say, as I get excited, we even see the parents' prayers going out and, and affecting this prodigal. You know, we pray, God, whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes. But, but, but let's be honest, parents, we also say, but, but God, be gentle. But, but, but God, please, we say whatever it takes, but God, have mercy. That is my daughter. That is my son. That is, that is dad. That is mom. God, be, be, be gentle, God. And, and we see God using these events. And, and God is allowing these things to take place in order for the lost son to turn around and repent. And he came to a point of not only having spent all of his wealth, but that he was spent. And he came to the end of himself. And he was brought to a crust of bread. And by the way, hungry for that crust as well. Every prodigal, listen, please, every prodigal, and if that's you here this morning, listen, that is looking for freedom is looking for Christ. And I pray that eventually you will find him. That's what they're looking for. I mean, let me address again the prodigals here. Let me address those of you who are backslidden here. If you find something more peaceful, graceful, and loving than Jesus out there in the far country, please let us know. Let us Christian parents know. 
Let us Christians and brothers know, because, hey, guess what? We've been out there, and we've discovered ain't nothing like Jesus. Amen? Ain't nothing like Jesus. Go ahead, man. God, forgive me for liking that, Lord. But that's for you. That's all for you, man. We've been out there, man. Yeah, well, let me go out and find out. No, you don't need to go out and find out. Man, look at me. Verse 17, moving on. Let's quickly go. But this is, I like this. But when he came to himself, amen, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? I perish with hunger. He couldn't even get a job where he could even get enough to eat. He says, I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned, I love this, against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Listen, he realized the error of his ways. He came to the end of himself. He wasn't himself when he left, oh, by the way. Not what his dad knew of him and the potential he had and what God's plan was, was for him. But he's come to that realization. I'll go to my father. I love that. His dad, no doubt, had to let him find out what was out there in the far land. But I love the fact that the son knew he could go back to his father. I'm going to, okay. Mom and dad, can your prodigal come back to you? Are you accessible? Available and approachable today? If not, you need to be. You need to receive your child back as God receives you with grace, mercy, and yes, truth. But most importantly, love. Well, we can discuss the, the reasons why and, and yeah, and, that, and we need to communicate and we need to make clear some of the things that, but hey, can they come back? And I pray if you're here today, and for whatever reason, you, as the prodigal, don't think that you can go back, know that you can, you can go back to your heavenly Father, for he awaits you with open arms and a forgiven heart. And listen to his prayer here. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I love his priorities now. He's getting his priorities squared away. They're getting straight. His sin was first toward God and then his father, the vertical and then the horizontal. And we see the seed of faith planted in his soul by his parents, by his dad, into this man's, into this prodigal's heart is now germinating. Don't underestimate the Bible studies you had. Don't underestimate, parents, the VBSs that you have brought your sons to. Sunday school teachers, don't think you're not making a difference because you are. You are, man. Billy Graham was saved, uh, you know, because he remembered back when he was a jokester. He was that kid that was always taken out of the Sunday school room and out into the hallway. Don't underestimate your call to Sunday school, to, to youth ministry. You may not see the, you know, things that are you know, what you want to see, but it's happening. Seeds are being, are being planted. He's broken. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. 
That's Bible for you were right, Dad. You were right, Mom. And I love you. And it's no longer give me, but make me. And he understands he is no longer entitled, but he's undeserving. And that's all good. And I believe he meant this, and I believe he's broken. But may I say one thing? Words without action are just words. And at this point, he's thinking this. And it's good. And I believe he's broken. And he's thinking this, and he's thinking over what he needs to do. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. A lot of prodigals stop right there. And they do not act upon them. They know what needs to be done. They've come to their senses in a a sense. They formulated the words. They they know what they want to say to their father. They they know what they need to do in their uh, uh, repentance. But they have to act upon it. Well, thankfully, he realizes how good his dad was to let him find out for himself the truth about the world and prodigal living. And now in verse 20, he tells us, well, it tells us, Luke tells us through the words of our Lord that he did put it into action. Look at verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I love this. He came back to his senses. He came back to his right mind. He acted upon his renewed heart, and he came back to his father. And more importantly, he came back to God. This beautiful picture of a sinner coming to the Lord or coming back to the Lord. And notice that here, as the father was just waiting for him, no doubt, always looking. And you've heard this sermon. He was looking at that gate. He was looking at the door. He always was waiting, anticipating when his son was done writing his testimony that he would finally come through that door and, and, and come back home. And, and this is what happens here. You know, as the Lord who is long-suffering, the prodigal's father was also waiting for his son to come home. Daily looking and longing for the return of his son, knowing that one day he would see him come through the gates. All his prayers, all the nights of unrest, the worry were for this moment when he saw his boy coming home from where he foolishly left. And when that actually took place, the father went after his son. He ran. And you guys know this, Jewish men. It was, undis- and it was an undistinguished act. Am I saying that right? It was not a, a distinguished thing to do for a Jewish man to run. They wore dress. Well, no, they wore robes. <laughs> Homeboy would have to make kulaks or something. Whatever. I don't know what the thing like that. <laughs> but he didn't care. That's my boy. That's my daughter. That's mine. He's coming home. I'm going after him. He hugs him. He embraces him. He smells like a pig. He didn't care. He began to kiss him. And that word to kiss means to repeatedly kiss this smelly boy. Embracing him. Notice he didn't scorn him. Or give him the what for. He saw him coming. And he went and he embraced him. 
and his son repents. And his son says there, look it with me. Verse 21, and the son said to him, Father, I have, uh, I have sinned against heaven. Again, I love that. I have sinned against God. And in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and began to be merry. He didn't scorn him, friends. He didn't give him the what for, the I told you so. No, he showed his, him compassion. He showed love. He showed sincere care for him. He did all this without words. Words didn't really need to be spoken from his father per se, just embracing and loving him. Now, I'm a bit emotional in explaining the father's heart because like some of you here, I'm that father. I'm that father. My daughter, about eight years ago, told me, Dad, you're dead to me. She walked out of the house. She moved in with a guy. How you, how you fathers like that? It was painful for both her mother and I, but we prayed her back home. Amen? Amen? I mean, she came to the end of herself after a few years. She came home to the Lord first and then to us. And now, of course, uh, she's part of a worship team at church and actively involved with our children's ministry. God brings them home, guys. God brings them home. But I'm still that father. We still have an older son out there who's still slopping pigs. Dude, enough of your testimony, man. Come home already. (laughs) We're still praying for him. We're still loving on him. He's our son. If I don't pray for my son, who is? Parents, you listen to that? If you're not praying for your kids, who are? Who is? Who is? So I resonate with this dad, man. I resonate with this father, and I have compassion for prodigals. I have compassion for wanderers. I have compassion for parents of that who has involved himself or has been brought into that. You know, I never wanted to be introduced to the district attorney of our county. I never wanted to uh, ever walk into a prison or walk into a jailhouse. I didn't didn't grow up there. That's one of my bucket lists. Probation and uh, juvenile detention. I I never had to visit. Other than going there maybe and ministering to other children. But it's just what happens in life. And they do it, and listen, parents, let me encourage you. They do it in spite of the way you've raised them. Okay? So don't, don't let the enemy come in. And even if you jacked up, if you jacked it up, hey, God is here to restore you today. And you can start today. You can start today, man. God is good or what? Okay. 
So, so he says, you know, so, so he shows God's grace by, and the son is, is committed now to come. And, and the son not only acted upon his heart's conviction, he also confessed with his mouth. He repented. He expressed the words of his sin against God and his dad. And, he, and the dad allowed his son to repent. But when it came to regret and no longer wanted to be received as his son, he cut him off. He said, no, we're going we're gonna to bless and we're going to refresh my son. He is ready to receive, and, and I want to give to him now. He is restored to the family, and now we will dress, he will dress the part. Notice, as we read, you know, the son of mine who was once dead, he will be now alive. And he restored him to the family. The robe, notice when he said, did we read that yet? Yeah. Okay, we read it. All right, good. Keep, keep me, keep me. <laughs> keep me going, man, because, you know, Boom. But uh, the robe stands for honor, which is the robe of righteousness that God puts upon us. Amen? Amen. I mean, from filthy rags to a robe of distinction. Put the robe on him. The ring stands for identity. The crest, the family crest, belonging to his family. His identity is once again aligned with his heavenly father as well. He's back. He's under the, uh, you know, the, the, the hand of God. Our identity is in Christ, man. Your identity is not in the streets. Your identity is, is not in a, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a certificate. Your identity is nothing other than Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The ring. And then the sandals. Man, they, they stand for status. Because at that time, servants went barefoot. So he put sandals upon his feet. Hey, he says, for this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to, to marry they had a party, guys. They had a barbecue. Kill the fatted calf. Here, the earthly celebration for what takes place in heaven. His dad did not receive him as a, as a servant, but as his son. His father's embracing kisses sealed that status. There is hope for every sinner because Jesus welcomes everyone. Amen. The parable is 2,000 years old, and yet it still remains applicable for today. The son was broken, spent, and he came to the end of himself. The son was repentant and knew he could, could go back home different than he left. The son acted upon his renewed heart, the conviction of the spirit. He got up and he went home. The son was given a new set of clothes, robe, a ring, and sandals for his bare feet. He got his identity back. The son was given a celebration for wise decisions to come home. And the bottom line, the son was received with open arms. Well... Not all arms were open. Some were clenched tight against one's chest. What are you talking about? Well, real quickly, look at verse 25. Now his older son, the father's older son, was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, oh, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. He was angry. He was jealous. His heart wasn't right. In a sense, he now becomes the prodigal son. He should be rejoicing over his brother's return. His heart and his soul should be leaping with joy. 
This brother needs a change of heart, guys. This brother needs a change of attitude. Why is he angry? Why is he upset? Well, keep reading. Look at verse 29. And so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never give me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Wah! <laughs> but as soon as this son of yours... Now notice, please, he doesn't call him his brother. Ooh, he's got a hard heart, man. And husbands, how many of us say, your son got in trouble today? Why is he my son? <laughs> We're all guilty of that, man. But anyway, moving on. But, uh, but, but, but as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. Now we get a little bit better picture. You killed the fatted calf. You know, it's pretty bad when you have to give your father a resume of what you've done. Some people pray that way. God, let me tell you what I've done today. <laughs> you don't have to give God a resume. But they haven't done anything. And this is what he's doing. He's giving his dad this resume of, of what he has done to prove how much of a better son he is. As if his father hadn't noticed nor loves this other son any less. Or, or the older brother was judging and condemning. Who am I speaking here today? He was judging and condemning his younger brother. He wouldn't even acknowledge him as a brother. This second son was so far away from God, he didn't even leave home. Yet his heart was revealed through his tongue. Jesus said, a good person produces good things from the treasury of the good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. But what you say flows from what is in your heart. Let me say, if you find yourself judging and condemning others, you're the older brother here today. Like the Pharisees, you're measuring yourself against others rather than seeing others the way Jesus sees them. There's no joy, there's no compassion in your heart. And that's wrong. And that needs to change. And closing it up in verse 31, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Son, when I die, you take over. You're the, you're the next head. You're, you're the leader. You're the guy. You're here with me. Everything I have is yours. If you want a you, if, if you goat, go get a goat. But notice what he says. It was right. I love this wisdom that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. And was lost and is found. Guys, Jesus loves the lost as much as he loves the found. He loves the backslider as much as he loves the devoted loyal saint. And please let me speak to some of you here today. You don't have to get lost in order to be loved and appreciated. You don't have to get lost in order to have a, a testimony. I think the greatest testimony, if you're here today and were raised as a believer, and you stayed a believer, to me that's the greatest testimony. Come on up and encourage us. Because you were raised as a Christian you, you, and you're, you're, you're still a Christian? Praise God, especially in this crazy world that we're leaving you with. So don't think that you have to go get lost and go test the world and, and go get a greatest testimony. To me, that is the best testimony you can have in the 21st century, that you stayed a Christian. 
but rejoice over others who have strength. Don't allow pride to override your heart. Wanderer, come home today. Pharisee, get rid of yourself. Repent and ask God for a heart for the lost and even the lost in your own family. I know they brought heartache to your parents, your grandparents, and I know there is a sense of anger that goes with that, but hey, let God change your heart and let us not be any prodigals here today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this time in your word, and uh, thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to take time to read it. But perhaps there are some here today, God. The message has spoken to them, Lord, going beyond the way I presented it, God, and but your word speaks for itself. The story stands. The earthly situations, but with heavenly application. And right now, a heavenly response. Holy Spirit, is there anyone here, Lord, who's never given their life to Christ that needs to make that decision? We pray. We pray right now that you are prodding them, that you are speaking to them, that you are pulling upon their heart. And if you're here and you know the Spirit is speaking to you and you know you need to make that decision for Jesus Christ, just where you're sitting right now, just cry out to Christ and tell him, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior, God. And I believe that you died on that cross for my sin. Lord, I'm tired. I'm spent. The wasted life has wasted me. Or maybe just the good life that I've lived that I thought it could fulfill my heart's desire has come up empty, God. And I receive your son as my savior. Is there anyone here? Just cry out to God today. And if you're here today, just raise your hand. If that's you, and just say, give a testimony. Say, that was me. I've accepted Christ. Is there anybody here? I would be remiss if I didn't offer that this morning. Anybody here? Just raise your hand and say, man, that's me. So we can rejoice. Is there anybody here? Okay. But perhaps you are the prodigal. Perhaps you're the prodigal son or the daughter. Yeah, you're here, man. I'm here. I'm coming to church. Yeah, but your heart's far away. Your heart's in the far country. If you're the prodigal here today, man, I would highly encourage you from the bottom of my heart to come home. Come home from the wasteful life. Come home from wandering in your mind. Come home from the activities you're involved in. As my son would say, my other son there ain't no high than the most high there ain't no high than the most high so whatever you're chasing man he's here to forgive you yeah but you don't know what I've done he's here to embrace you he's here to say and wants to say this son of mine who was lost is now found but it's up to you just make that commitment right now just cry out to Jesus Lord I'm back Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, baptize me. Lord, use me, God. Use me. The plan that you have for me, God, I give it to you. Have your way with me. Just cry out to God. You may be a parent that's a prodigal. You may be a backslider here today. Come back to Jesus. Wanderer, come home. Come home today. In Jesus' name, amen.